Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. The episode you are about to listen to was originally available for Patreons only, but is a brand new episode now available on all podcasting platforms. So there might be a few references that have already happened. Uh, Apologies for that. And also apologies for any comments we make for non-patrons. Enjoy the episode and don't forget, it's not too late to join us on Patreon where you can listen to exclusive brand new episodes of Track by Track. Yes, every month there are at least two brand new episodes as well as access to the full Patreon-only back catalogue and our Patreon-only series, including further listening and the remix. Enjoy the episode. And thanks for listening. Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down, track by track. And we hope you do feel like listening because on the turntable this week, we've got Tada! Bye, Sister Sisters. And this is the second time. This is the third time. Second or third, Dan? Third. Be quite good if your face just sewed some kind of anything. I, know, I, was, I, I like what it's like watching a car crash. Just you know, I'm, I'm a bit in awe of uh, how bad it really is, but I can't stop watching. Uh, we do like to support each other in this podcast. We lift each other up and then drop them again quite quickly. You raise me up so I can. Drop you down again. Drop you down again. You. That's enough of that. So, uh, actually, today's episode is uh, the exact opposite of a stirring moment like that. This is something a little bit more lively. It definitely is. Although, I don't know about you, well, I'm feeling knackered because this is day six of episodes for us, is it now? Uh, I've lost count. Dan, Dan has to count on his fingers, by the way, listeners. So we are talking about Sisters Sisters again on track by track, and with good reason because they are one of one of our favourites. I think we've got quite a lot of favourites, but they are one of our favourites. And this one was that difficult second album, wasn't it? How do you follow up something as huge and significant? as uh, whatever that first album was called. Scissor Sisters. Uh, it was self-titled. Sisters, yes. Self-titled, <laughs> yes. Um, so you probably follow it up with an album like this, which has uh, a track that starts, that's still reverberating around the wedding barns, function halls, church, church halls, uh, rugby clubs, uh, still to this day. You do. Also worth noting that between the album Scissor Sisters and Tada, uh, there were two and a half years. So they didn't rush into that difficult second album either. They took the time to uh, to find their, their sound, find their direction. Uh, and this is the outcome of that. And the reason we're talking about it, Will, today, not only because it's part of our week-long celebration of three years of Track by Track, but every 
album this week has an anniversary as well and this one turns 15 today do we need to talk about who the scissor sisters are we don't but we will so scissor sisters formed in 2001 on the streets of queer new york city uh, which at time of recording is having some atrocious flooding dan i don't know if you've seen i know you don't watch the news but you kind of missed that surely well, I get my news from Newsround, actually, with Lizzo. <laughs> uh, it's not laughing matter, though. Some awful, awful flooding there, the, the like of which they've never seen before. So I hope everyone is okay uh, at this point of release. Uh, but in Scissor Sisters themselves, you've got Jake Shears, animatronic vocalists, percussionists up front there, Baby Daddy, Del Marquis. And Paddy McGuinness, who is also the drummer. Oh, Paddy Boom, lovey. What did I say? Paddy McGuinness. Oh, take me out. I, I won't, if you don't mind. <laughs> Just take the rubbish out, then. It'd be, it'd be like an awkward episode of uh, First Dates. And I would expect you to go Dutch with me. Uh, and you would make it as awkward as possible. I'd pretend I forgot my wallet and everything. And then I'd get out that huge jar of coppers that I showed you today when I owed you some money for some... Uh, I should just pick up some bits and bobs on the way to recording here. And then you, you bought them and, and you very kindly said, you know, to not worry about the money, but I got out my jar of pennies. And I insisted you counted out six pounds. In, in, yeah. uh, in I've never seen so many tuppences. <laughs> Since I was in the ladies' changing rooms at the local <laughs> swimming baths. How did you end up there? There were some very uh, ambiguously designed signs there. Mm. Someone did that on purpose, I think. Was it you? you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Uh, we should probably get into some music. Yes. Oh no, let's no, no, no Dan, Dan, I have. Where's, where's my manners? Uh, why are we talking about this today? Where are your manners? That's a really good question, actually. <laughs> listening that's a kind of a form of manners isn't it no side one track one and this is i don't feel like dancing So I don't feel like dancing there. Single one, track one. And I have to say, Will, for me, this was absolutely love at first listen. What a song. They It really hit the spot, didn't it? It was just what you wanted in a comeback after two and a half years single with something as jaunty and catchy and uh, just a wonderful, uh, wonderful composition. And... This was the one I was talking about that can still be heard in church halls and rugby clubs and social clubs and up the legion and down the feathers and in the bull and bush as well because you always put it on the jukebox and then get up on the table. Well, until I was barred, I used to do that. But I think in just in 
history will across all of music history and all of history in general this is one of the best pop songs of all time it's pop it's disco it's funk it's 70s it's 80s it's noughties it's fun and it actually does make you feel like dancing does it still make you feel like dancing 100% i think it's just one of those songs that will always have that effect I can't imagine being bored of this one, ever. Uh, and let me tell you, uh, the charts felt like dancing at the times because, or the record-buying public even, because this got to number one in the UK singles chart. What a massive hit. A huge hit. Also, the only number one to date, I should say, because Jake recently said in an interview that he would definitely be up for doing some more uh, music with the band. Uh, I wonder, uh, probably a, probably a way down the line yet, I'd imagine. Hope it happens. I would love to hear this one live again. Imagine, you know, we've both seen Scissor Sisters live. Uh, I've I mentioned a few times I saw them live at Glastonbury, but what I'd love for us to both be there at the Pyramid or even, you know, um, in the southeast corner and hearing this song live and just losing myself to dance. Oh, no, I don't want to be up late. I'm not going to the southeast corner. So this was number one, like you said, Will. This, interestingly, is when downloads were really starting to play a part in what the charts looked like. So it actually entered at number four, while Justin Timberlake's Sexy Back uh, was at number one. That had rose to number one from number 13. Uh, but then Sid Sisters went to number one and knocked him off the week after that. But looking down the rest of the chart, it's such, it's, oh, it's such a good time. This song, Sexy Back, Promiscuous, by Nelly Furtado and Timberland, Rude Box, Hips Don't Lie, Chasing Cars, Never Be Lonely by The Feeling, What A Time To Be Alive. And that's like a checklist of track by track episodes, actually, because we've pretty much done all of that now. And there is a B-side to this single, or was a B-side to this single, but maybe we'll touch on that later. So, Will, I haven't yet talked about the writers and producers of the album. The Mm. production all comes from Scissor Sisters. Uh, and predominantly, it is Scott Hoffman, a.k.a. Baby Daddy, and Jason Sellards, a.k.a. Jake Shears, uh, writing most of the songs. But this one has a very special additional writer, Elton John. Well, that doesn't surprise me uh, that Elton was uh, involved because I think I'd imagine he was a big fan and they are big fans of his. Because you've got that kind of theatre and the flamboyance about all they do that you can really draw parallels in, uh, well, before Elton started wearing uh, sportswear, obviously. (laughs) We've all been wearing more sportswear over the last couple of years through lockdowns and whatnot. Yeah, I've actually got a shell suit on now. I've got my jock on. (laughs) No, don't stand up. Oh, it's too late. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) We are recording remote. Oh, God, it's frozen. The picture, I mean, not my uh, member. And you just had to turn around and bend over to pick up one of your AirPods at that exact moment. Yeah, what a collaboration. (laughs) Interestingly, though, I've never seen, I might be wrong, I've never seen Elton actually perform, because he plays piano on the track as well. I've never seen him perform it with them. Have you? No, I'd imagine it'd be very hard for their schedules to line up for him to be involved, unfortunately. But just having him involved in the production and composition is... It's plenty. Maybe we'll make it happen one day. Not you and I personally. We don't have that many connections. Just yet. 
But this song was, you just, it was everywhere at the time, wasn't it? It was everywhere. Like you said, it's in the pubs and clubs, but also uh, in the clubs with remixes from the likes of Friend of Track by Track, Errol Alken, uh, and also Paper Faces. Okay, so track number two, and this is She's My Man. which is a tribute to Jake's uh, grandmother who'd uh, really supported him through the early stages of his career. How lovely. That is lovely. And I never knew that. I never knew where that came from. Yeah. You've done some research. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking, of course. It's She's My Man. Uh, And this is... I love the track progression from that, you know, a massive pop, jaunty, piano-led number straight in to those guitars with something. Just classic Scissor Sisters. Before I go in on to agree with you on all of that, I just have to say I didn't get that. So I thought you was I thought it was actually was dedicated to his nan. I've just got the She's My Nan gag. I'm a bit slow today, Will. Oh, you thought it was a joke? You didn't think I was joking? <laughs> I thought it was real. I fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. Yes. One nil. It would be a lovely tribute. Though. I might I might perform this at my grandma's funeral, actually. She's not dead yet, but... um. So, yes, Will, just to go... I do completely agree with you. I This is just pure euphoria, and I always remember liking this song, but I think because it followed I Don't Feel Like Dancing and because I loved I Don't Feel Like Dancing, I, I didn't... I liked this one, and then it was a little while afterwards that I realised, actually, I love this just because of the energy in it and also because of Jake's vocal on this one and the range, the range. It is phenomenal. I know you can get everything there. Homewares, garden stuff, gifts. Not the, not the range, his range. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, my comment still stands. <laughs> it's a great store. This has been a paid promotion by <laughs> The Range. <laughs> and this was the third single from uh, this album. We got to number 29 in the UK singles chart. So definitely some diminished returns here, but still a hit song, still a hit record. A hit record, a pop record. But yeah, this, and it entered the charts at number 76. And again, because of what was happening in the charts at that time, a different time, it rose to its peak position. But just to give some context to uh, the charts at that time. So that same week, Avril Lavigne's Girlfriend entered at number 73. Christina Aguilera's Candyman entered at number 61. Pink's Leave Me Alone, I'm Lonely entered at number 60. Lil Chris's Getting Enough uh, entered at number 57. And one of the highest new entries of that week was Calvin Harris's Acceptable in the 80s, which uh, entered the charts at number 32. It only gets to 32? No, entered the chart. These all entered and then went up. It was kind of like they brought back the good old days of charts, didn't they, where it wasn't just in and out, shake it all about. You make a sort of tentative entry and then it just goes all the way up. Hmm. Heaven. 
Uh, number one that week, uh, by the way, was uh, Take That with Shine. Oh, blimey. There's, if you're talking about things to play at your local rugby club wedding reception alongside I Don't Feel Like Dancing. Yeah. Good on the storm, those two. Double whammy. Nana would be up, wouldn't she? Definitely. Though she'd wonder why she was dancing to the Morrison's Christmas advert, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> now... Dan, what is the meaning behind this song? Because She's My Man, interesting title. Yeah, not She's My Nan, as I really honestly believed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Will, I do believe it's about pride and about a bit of a, a fuck you to anyone with anything negative about that. She's my man and we've got all the balls we need. Uh, I think she uh, might be the better half of the main character. And a male, in fact. She's my man. Track three now, and this is I Can't Decide. I can't decide whether you should live or die. Or you'll probably go to heaven. Please don't hang your head and cry. No wonder why my heart feels dead inside. It's cold and hot and petrified. Lock the doors and close the blinds. We're going for a ride. I can't decide there. Again, another complete change. And this, Dan, what is this? Is it honky tonk? Is it Western? I don't just, I can't decide. Well, very clever. But also, I would say all of the above. Definitely, there's the banjo in there, isn't there? There's that kind of real bump that you'd expect to hear in a, a Wild West score. And this really does feel like, in comparison to. The first album where they were almost, you know, a bit more on the edgier side of... They were definitely fun, but more on the edgier side of things. This feels like pure fun, I think. There's nothing wrong with pure fun either. No, and speaking of which, this would be where our regular listeners will be expecting a crude innuendo about a banjo string. But uh, I haven't even thought about it, actually. No, definitely not. Have now you've said it, actually. Now, Dan, what is what's the meaning behind this song? <laughs> it's lovely that you keep throwing uh, to me for for this bit of the episode, Will, because um, I, I know you've done it. I know you've researched it yourself, uh, and I know you know I've done it as well. So, uh, but this one, I believe, is all about. Well, basically, it's about someone perhaps going to kill someone, uh, and the kind of the trials and tribulations inside their head before they do it and then there's the juxtaposition of uh this kind of upbeat honky like you said uh honky-tonk piano banjo music very fun lyrics as well yeah and not the first time this this has used a kind of fun jaunty tune to kind of stealth like uh have a bit of more of an adult serious meaning yeah definitely (laughs) Uh, some some lyrics that I enjoy in this one, Will. Uh, fuck and kiss you both at the same time. Smells like something I've forgotten. Curled up died and now it's rotten. Bit like your old uh, school bag when you left the uh, class hamster in there over the summer holidays. Oh, next one, next one, egg sandwich that I've forgotten to eat as well. <laughs> Absolutely awful. Oh, and that um, and those kippers that you didn't um, you didn't end up having for your lunch that day because it was a free school meal. At the canteen. 
also on the way to school, I'd uh, had to pick up some of my dog's leavings and had nowhere to put the, the poo bag. So I just chucked it in my school bag and thought, I'll get rid of that as soon as I get there. As soon as I see a bin. Speaking of honky, honky tonk. And this is just a, a little ditty as well, isn't it, Well, At two minutes 46. And I think actually a lot of the songs on this album, I mean, most of them don't really, I mean, apart from track two, actually, they um, don't really outstay their welcome, which is quite nice because it's quite, you know, bang in and out. Not that track two does outstay its welcome, to be quite clear. No, 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 no. Uh, But since this is late, you know, the last couple of albums, they had some real epic tracks on there that were way longer. So it's quite nice. It's a little little bit more uh, instant. Instant gratification. So, track four then, and this is Lights. Club 69, driving away to that one. Or Studio 54. (laughs) Two very different places. (laughs) And I know which one you prefer. Yes. Yes, I do. But yes, well, we could because I love there's so much funk to this one. Uh, The horns are incredible. This has always been a favourite of mine on the album, to be honest with you. And also... The pre-chorus, the the repetition of when you cut the lights out, and then you think kind of like, okay, this is this is the best bit of the song, and then you get that bigger uh, chorus, which just soars. I love it. Yeah, it starts off as one thing, and then just, and you think, oh, this is nice, and you start sort of moving your head, and then it gets right into it, and you're like, get me onto that light up dance floor and give me a pina colada. And talking of creamy drinks, um, I have to say, I hadn't really delved into the lyrics throughout this album. I've I'd sung along for years. I've got some of them wrong, as I often do. Ahead uh, of the episode, looked into it. And one of my favourite parts of this song, which is quite a smutty, uh, quite a, um, a erotic sexual song. Uh, but my favourite part is the line, I ain't got nothing but your seed on my face. You'll put them babies to waste without your finger in the pie. That's brilliant. That's genius. Absolutely disgusting. Which is just what we like on this podcast. Yeah, which is very welcome. Uh, I love their their songwriting is incredible. I mean, they've written and produced for other people as well. But I think they're kind of no holes barred or no holds barred or both even. Uh, was really a refreshing when they first started out. And I think... Although I guess this album is a little bit more, uh, uh, not tame, but a little bit more radio friendly. Uh, the following two albums definitely lean into into that even more so. Yeah, and I think they, I think if you asked the band about this album in hindsight, and I think closer to the time as well after release, I I don't think this is the album that they were happiest with. I, I think they weren't quite sure. Uh, of themselves, obviously, when you do get that huge instant success, it can be really difficult to know how to follow that up. Um, 
and I think we'll we definitely agree that with Nightwork, which of course we've done an episode on, um, that was a just phenomenal album and a phenomenal sound. This album I love, um, but I, I can see why um why perhaps it isn't a favourite of theirs, isn't maybe not a favourite of yours. Um, but I don't want to take anything away from it. I love this album and I love this track. In fact, I was going to say, well, I did think this could have been a single, um, but then did find out that apparently this was a fan-only single. I don't know what that means, really. I read that somewhere, <laughs> but surely fan club, maybe. Maybe the equivalent of Patreon back in the day. Speaking of which, you're actually hearing this because you're with us on Patreon. So thank you. Thank you very much. And there is an additional songwriter on this one, Will. Carlos Alomar. Uh, he is a Puerto Rican guitarist famous for his work with David Bowie and also on the Duran Duran side project Arcadia. And I think Duran Duran and David Bowie definitely feel like comfortable bedfellows of the Scissor Sisters. Not the Scissor Sisters, just Scissor Sisters. There's a difference. Also, have to call out Anna's backing vocals, particularly on the outro to this song. Wonderful. Track number five now, and this is The Land of a Thousand Words, and all of them are disgusting. Land of a Thousand Words there. Now, as I mentioned before with She's My Man, some of the songs in here took me a little while uh, to get, I suppose, because things like I Don't Feel Like Dancing really stood out and really kind of took over uh, my ears and my brain. But this one really did take me a while to get it. I think I used to skip past it, actually. Now, I think it's an absolutely stunning track. You see, I, it doesn't grip me as much, but uh, I still, I don't think it's awful or anything. I, mean, I think it's nice enough. Very Elton John-esque uh, for me, but um, not a favourite. It's, um, I think perhaps for me, I was, I almost feel like I was maybe too too naive and too stupid to, to really grasp it back then. And maybe that's where you are now still, Will, and that's why you're not really um, feeling it. What are you calling me? Stupid. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> but for me, it's the the production, as with all the album, of course, but the production, um, the lyrical imagery, those kind of hints of harps and other filmic devices, uh, and particularly the outro again, just the crescendo, the way that Anna and Jake's vocals work together. It's all stunning. Uh, and I'm saying it's filmic. And of course, the music video was very film inspired, wasn't it? Was it? Yes, it was. It was made to look like a James Bond title sequence. Uh, and because there was a video, there it was obviously a single, uh, and it got to it was the second single, and it got to number nineteen in the UK singles chart. So a little bit of a slip, but still comfortably inside the top twenty. Dan, what else was going on in the charts? Well, this one entered at sixty-eight, while I don't feel like dancing was still at number twenty, and this was in December. 2016 but other new entries at the time 
High School Musical with We're All In This Together at number 40. And the highest new entry that week was Beware of the Dog by Jamelia at number 34. And at number one, take that again with patience. Have a little patience. <laughs> also, well, because this was the charts um, first week of December, lots of Christmas re-entries, as you would imagine. Yeah, so Mariah, etc. Yeah. And this one, so this was single two, like you said, this was the follow-up to I Don't Feel Like Dancing. What a juxtaposition. I don't feel like dancing anymore. But equally, I still think it's kind of a, a homage to the kind of the sounds of yore that they really do um, seem to be inspired by on this album. The sounds of my what? Uh, sounds of old. Oh, no, I'm still referring to you. Um, the sounds... <laughs> What a bitch. What a bitch. If you did want a donk on this one, Will, there is a JXL remix. I do, so thank you. You're welcome. Very happy to put a donk on you anytime. I feel quite nauseous. I think definitely time now for track six an intermission. When you're standing on the side of a hill, feeling like it is maybe done. Here it comes, the strawberry spawn, chasing away the sun. Don't let those precious moments fool you, happiness is getting you down. Rainbow never smiles or blinks, it's just a candy-colored frown. You were going on at half past seven, now it's going on a quarter to nine. All the angels want to So, that was the intermission. Uh, and it is a real break from this album halfway through. And what a fun diversion. Yeah, it definitely feels like, in, in, you know, it's quite a theatrical album. And there is this intermission in the middle, which is great and a bit of a breather. And it definitely does feel like a fun song. But once again, I kind of went into the lyrics more ahead of the episode. And actually, so many references to and I, again i'd sung along to it and i knew a lot of the words um but i never kind of they were always just part of the song i never read them separately and it's just full of references to death and you know the afterlife and all you know i'm not sure if this song is about uh someone contemplating suicide or someone who's had a near-death experience or whatever um but it talks about all the angels want to know are you lost or treading water and of course some of the more obvious things Tomorrow's not what it used to be. We were born to die. Happy yesterday to all. We were born to die. That's so very cheerful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but delivered in that upbeat, again, slightly honky-tonk almost way, which works really lovely on the album. Yeah, quite a plinky-plonky piano. Oh, there's the there's the track-by-track track, uh, sound definition again. Well, I just think, Dan, we've heard far too many. Somebody said Arpaggio on uh, on a recording recently that we did with them and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since because oh. it's it's that lovely ice cream where you get your coffee tipped on top, isn't it? Oh, it's lovely. Oh, I... Let's look to Wiki. Also, Will, this <laughs> is the second and final track on the album co-written with Mr. John. Oh, is it really? I should have known. Elton. Yes, Mr. John. <laughs> Who else could it be? I was trying to think of another Mr. John. Uh, Olivia Olivia Newton's father. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I'm sure I know a few... Um, I met a few Mr. Johnsons in my time. 
Mm. Bet you have. Track number seven now. Here we go. Here we go. Kiss you off. Kiss you off there. Dan, my favourite song on the album. Are you surprised? No, you're not. Next track. <laughs> <laughs> I am not surprised at all. I think because this... Is it because this one feels more new wave and more synth-led than anything else on here? Yeah, it's dripping in synth. It's dripping in attitude. It's dripping in like 80s, electronica, animatronics in control... She's she's channeling her inner Blondie or Stevie Nicks or Banana Rama, and uh, also it takes ages to get going. So I think it lulls you a little bit into where, where it's truly headed, which is great. And yeah, Anna on lead vocal on this one, and this is uh, the one track that she co-wrote. No, sorry, one of two tracks, but the first one we've got to that she co-wrote. Slapped wrist for me, but yeah, I love the attitude in it, and also well. Something else that I'm sure makes you love this one more, the guitar. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. And I love the fact that Anna's always there. She's deeply involved, but she always gets a moment or two to shine uh, in her own right. It's the ladies' song. The ladies excuse me. (laughs) Uh, This was the fourth single to be released and final single because they were going to release a fifth, but they didn't because just didn't do well enough is the only answer. And probably a little bit understandable when it got to number 43, this track in the singles chart, which is a huge shame. It is, yeah, because it deserves more attention. Uh, it deserves to be still played on Radio 2, which, of course, Anna uh, is has a show. Does she still have a Radio 2 show? Yeah, she's, say, it's a very clubby affair. But I love, to hear love, this I love that she's on Radio 2, proudly championing... Uh, dance music, electronic music, uh, and she's very much involved in the station. You often see her, you know, when the sta- when it's advertised. Um, and I love, like, Radio 2 is getting more kind of... Maybe I'm just getting older, actually. <laughs> no. What? No. Maybe... No, lovey. Oh, I, think, I, think the, I think the lady doth protest too much. <laughs> That's you, guys. Yeah, I got that. Um... Will, when this one entered the charts at number 43, I Don't Feel Like Dancing was still in the charts, but a little bit further down, it was 82 at this point. Um, The highest new entry that week was Calvin Harris in at number nine with The Girls, which is a lovely tie-in because, of course, Calvin would go on to co-write with Jake on on Kylie's Aphrodite album. It's Uh, all linked together, isn't it? Or the track-by-track glue, I like to think. And this was a single, as you said, the B-side to this one included Bad Shit, which actually on the, are you all okay now? <laughs> yeah. I had to stop recording this episode three times so far. It wasn't so much bad, just persistent. <laughs> like a tap you couldn't turn off. 
track number eight then. So, ooh. Oh, there's no exclamation mark. Keeping the energy going after kiss you off. I just love it's big. It's a big hoedown. It's a big party, uh, and this is just all kicking off. Dan, what do you think? I love it. Well, like you said, the tempos up, the beats there, some great scratch funk guitar. The falsetto from Jake is in it throughout, um, and just the fact that it's called Ooh, you know, it's a bop. This one was co-written with Dell from the band. Uh, the only track to, up to this point, I should say, uh, co-written with Dell. So nice to see him bringing some of the funk in there. And I have to call out the middle eight on this one, the synth on that. And again, the vocals from Jake and Anna. It's marvellous. And Dan, did you know, such as how big they were at the time, that they actually did a tour and did three dates at Wembley Arena at the time? Wembley, wow. That is huge. It doesn't surprise me, though, because, yeah, they, as we've said, they had euphoric, monumental success with the debut album, and then it obviously just continued with this. I think the moment I realised just how big they were is when they opened the Brits with the Muppets. Ah, and there's a good match as well. Both a band of anarchic characters who just love to sing and dance around and just want to have a good party and have a great life. So, yeah, it's a good... They're they're aligned, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, we've both seen Scissor Sisters. I don't think this was on the set list when I saw them. Will, how about you? Uh, No, it wasn't. I would love to see this one live. I think it's probably just... Very just at home on the album. Oh, no. Strongly disagree. Happily, strongly disagree, actually. Uh, love to... Well, I mean, it's singing about getting on your dancing shoes and saying, ooh. They're, they're the kind of things I like to do. <laughs> you love to put on a pair of shoes and then go, ooh. Ooh. Normally, actually, it's because um, despite the fact my other half has told me time and time again to not wear new shoes, uh, you know, for a, a walk or a night out, I don't listen and end up in agony. You get absolutely butchered, don't you? Mm. Mullered and butchered. What, when I get back? Good ticking off. No, your feet, they get butchered. Oh, yeah, they do, yeah. They're like two roast hams chucked down a corridor. Oh, I am a vegetarian, actually, so... Still? Yes. Still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free choice. At time of recording. Track number nine now. Uh, speaking of vegetarians... I don't know if he still is, uh, but but Linda certainly was. Uh, here's Paul McCartney.
expect from a track that's called Paul McCartney, is it? What were you expecting, Will? Something dull as dishwater. <gasps> oh, how outrageous. This is one of the few one of the few areas where we disagree. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Paul, as I like to call him, uh, first name terms. Um, I was beyond excited to see him as one of the headliners for Glastonbury 2020, whereas I think you would probably have gone to see anything else. Yeah, I would have gone to see... Uh, I'm just trying not to insult anybody that we like. Uh, <laughs> Quite difficult, actually, isn't it? I'd have gone to see Peter Andre and Katie Price uh, singing A Whole New World, uh, unfiltered. I mean, that is the best version. All true fans know. Uh, but this is fast. This is got some brilliant uh, instrumentalization <laughs> instruments, uh, and <laughs> and synths running through it as well. Um, and it's keeping the dancing going. Yeah, the party continues with this one. On the songwriting of this one, it Carlos and Dell are back, so a real group effort on this one. Um, and I think it is a real mixing pot of a song, actually, or a melting pot perhaps a, mil- a mixed melting pot of a track really particularly on the breakdown of the middle eight and getting real kind of filthy gorgeous or any which way vibes actually yes you're right it's a little bit it's a little bit dirty it's a little bit sleazy and it is melting pot Dan I'm not surprised you don't know your kitchen utensils apart I, I normally uh, clean up that's my job in the kitchen delivery <laughs> yeah takeaway. I do remember reading. I think it must have been when the when the track uh, when the album came out. Sorry, probably in Q magazine. I was a big Q subscriber back then. Uh, I remember reading that Jake dreamt of Paul McCartney and then woke up with the basis for this song in his head. And you can hear that in the lyrics. There's an urgency I'm feeling for the first time. Do we dream about each other at the same time? I've often wondered that. If you're in a dream and you dream about someone, is it possible? Is it yeah? Is it a thing that they could be having that same dream as you? Now that's a big question. Answer Too is big no. For track, by track. <laughs> <laughs> track number ten now, and this is the other song. there we talked about how the party has been going this one slows it down a little bit but i have to say this is one of my all-time favorite scissor sister songs and why might that be dan i think lyrically lyrically it's just beautiful and i've said a couple of times about maybe not hearing the lyrics but this one it once again it's talking about death it's talking about uh potentially the afterlife i think Reading into it, I think it kind of maybe alludes to uh, suicide or, um, you know, due to either homophobia or struggling with self-acceptance. And, you know, things like if it takes another life, I'll wait for you on the other side. There's a real it's kind of it's so emotional, this one. I think if I saw this live now on tour, I think I might well up, actually, Will. Oh, Dan, lovely. I just think it's beautiful. I think it's really lovely. 
Now, I was a bit apprehensive about getting to this point. You didn't open it with talking about the album artwork, so I feel like it's it's not that track. But it's the first ballad we've had for a little while. What do you think to this one? Well, it's not really... It's more mid-tempo than ballad, but I think the guitars are wonderful on there. It's a very layered production. And, Dan, you haven't said it, but I was expecting you to say it does remind me of, a, of something that, like, Duran Duran would do. Yes, you're right, and... I think I read, I might be wrong, again, it could have been in that very same Q article, I think someone likened it to something like Save a Prayer from them, where you've got like a really beautiful, uh, some really beautiful heartfelt lyricism, Um, you've got some wonderful synth sounds, and then you've got that killer uh, guitar solo that comes in as well. So definitely, I feel like this, of all the songs on here, is the most Duran Duran-esque. Duran Duran. Duran Duran, as they say in America. But although the content might be quite dark, it's quite funky. There is the beautiful uh, spoken word part at the end, which is a a clip from Judy Garland saying, I have a right to be in love and I have a right to be loved. Don't be over the rainbow for me. It kind of just ties in. Of course, she was an LGBTQ plus icon. But what she's saying suits the song and the theme of the song perfectly. Lovely moment. I feel like I've brought it down a little bit, Will, but I think I had to for that song. You had to for that song. Track number 11 now, and this is Might Tell You Tonight. Great time for a fantastic album artwork. Uh, this uh, album cover is an interesting one, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, I really like this image. Uh, it is a man stood in front of a lift holding a boxing glove behind his back. And you've got a real collection of characters inside that lift, haven't you? What, what can you see, Dan? I can see uh, a young a young boy. I Someone I would assume is his parent or guard, guardian. Uh with his hand on his shoulder, maybe about to uh, hold him back. Who else is in there? Uh, you've got a lady, uh, a soup, someone in a cloak, uh, and another lady, by the look of it. But it looks like they've just opened up in on a level of the Tower of Hollywood Tower of T- Terror. Which I am determined to get you on when we go to Florida next year, with our other halves, uh, and another couple as well, actually. Um, but you're saying I won't be able to... No, and if someone does force me on, they're going to have to pull me straight off. But yeah, I don't know exactly what the album artwork means, and I quite like that. Uh, now, I've set down the track is perfectly pleasant, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is not my favourite song on the album. Um, this is obviously, I think, compared with everything else here, it's very simple uh, musically. Musically. But also lyrically. Lyrically. Just the idea that I just might tell you tonight that I love you. And, you know, that feeling of saying it for the first time and the, the butterflies that come before it. So I love the the idea behind the song. I love what it kind of represents. Um, but this is an album full of huge, uh, incredible pop songs. So, yeah, not one of my favourites. Now we're on to the last track of the album proper. 
and this is Everybody Wants the Same Thing. Same thing there, the last track on the album. Now, I'm torn with this, Dan, because part of me thinks this is a great way to kind of round up an album, very in keeping with the style and approach. It does feel like an end-of-the-show song. And then I flip the other way, and I think, oh, this is just a bit uh, not as great as some other songs on this album. I hear what you're saying, Will. I think I agree with the former and I think that was the kind of the intended sort of end of the show sing-along song. Uh, this one was co-written with Paddy Boom, the only track he co-wrote on the album. Of course, he left after this album. Uh, but also you've got Paul Leshen or Leshen. Paul, I'm really sorry. I'm just terrible with uh, name pronunciation. Absolutely awful. I'm so sorry. Um, he is an award-winning musical theatre composer. Uh, so I think, you know, that was the intended sound the band wanted uh you heard it i heard it um so i'm gonna go with it will i'm gonna say it's the right thing to do dan i'm gonna say something controversial here and i've been wondering whether i say this or not mm. this is probably the my least favorite scissors sisters album but i think that's okay you've got to have a you're gonna have a favorite and you're gonna have a second favorite and therefore you're gonna have a least favorite We've raved about their debut album. We've raved about Nightwork. We've spoken very highly about this album. And we haven't yet talked about Magic Hour, but I know there's lots of stuff we like on there. Mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, we're saying that. I don't know how Jake will feel about it. Sorry, Jake. I just think for me, it's not full of innovation and attitude as the other three albums, which is what I love the Scissor Sisters doing when they're at their best. Now, for me, this is my... This is my second or third in the lineup of Scissor Sisters albums. But I'm not going to reveal the rest. Maybe I'll do that on the Magic Hour episode. Because there will be one, won't there? Oh, there's got to be, yeah. Um, and I have to say, though, this album was quite mixed reviewed uh, when it was released as well. And I have to say, it probably got quite an average reception if you look at all of the reviews in total. Um, because where you have three stars from Rolling Stone, The Guardian gave it four stars. Uh, and so it's very much, very flip-floppy like that. Uh, but I'd have to give it probably six out of ten, I think. From them, not from you? From me. Oh, from you? Yes, from me. Oh, it would be a good uh, eight, if not more, from me. And my six out of ten matches the enemy review. Saying and they said about how under pressure they were for a follow-up, and if anything, it's not as fun as the first album. I mean, we don't have the phrase "difficult second album" for no reason, of course. No, and it's been used many times before, and will continue to be used as well. But let's see what we can do with a bit of further listening, shall we? Yes, there were plenty of. B-sides and remixes, some of which we've uh, mentioned already in the episode. Will, 
Of course, we're going to stick with this era of the band, as we always do on our Sister Sisters episodes. But I'd love for you to go first. So I'm going to uh, have the B-side from I Don't Feel Like Dancing. This is Ambition. What do you say? I picked it because I thought it was a really nice continuation of the style of I Don't Feel Like Dancing, just with a bit more, it just felt a bit looser, a little less polished, but uh, with a great guitar in there. Yeah, this one really passed me by, actually, at, at the time. I didn't. I don't think I uh, got the single. Oh, no, do you know why? Because it was, uh, as we said right at the start, this is when kind of iTunes and downloads were huge. So we're just downloading the one track and... Uh, Maybe this is when singles and uh, B-sides sort of really started to uh, to get lost. Get lost. Get lost. Get stuffed. Get stuffed up yours. But yeah, really like this one. I really like the, the piano as well. I think we've heard a lot of fantastic piano on this album. Of course, some of it by Elton John. I can well imagine uh, this is one that he'd like as well. We've got quite a similar taste, me and Elton. Uh, and if you're listening, hello, Elton. Hello, Elton. Dan, what have you gone for? So I have gone for what was the bonus track on the CD version of the album, which I did have. Uh, I used to play it in the car a lot, actually. A bit like the uh, the debut, as we discussed on that episode. This is Transistor. Transistor there, like I said, this was the bonus track and I loved that it showed a completely different side to the band at this time. Almost quite prog rock in parts, very spacey, very dramatic and also quite sparse in areas. Will? Yeah, very, very sparse. I hadn't heard this until you mentioned it to me uh, and I have to say it's very different. I, yeah, I don't know if I like it or not. I'm just a bit torn. I think it's one of those where it's not an instant thing. Like I don't feel like dancing, but it's one that as you get into, as you hear the song a few times, yeah, it's one of those that really gets into your brain box. It's like an obscure New Order or like Duran Duran track, isn't it? Oh, I think they'd love that, wouldn't they? Mm. A bit Bowie as well, maybe. We're, We're out, out of, of time. time. So that was a ta-da from the Scissor Sisters. Uh, and we hope you've enjoyed going back through their sophomore album with us today as part of our special week. Yes, do please let us know your thoughts on the Patreon post and across social media at Track by Track UK. And don't forget to stay tuned for more exclusive episodes on Patreon, Patreon and episodes for all across podcast streaming services. But, Dan, have you got anything else to say? Just just to say, if you're listening on day of release, during week of release, tomorrow, 
we are going to be celebrating 30 years of St. Etienne's Fox Base Alpha and uh, talking about St. Etienne for the second time within a week, which is a wonderful thing. Maybe we'll hear from a, an old new friend of the podcast. Oh, Sarah Cracknell. Maybe. <laughs> oh, lovely. She's a lovely lady. So don't forget also to go and check out our Scissor Sisters uh, self-titled debut and Nightwork episodes. And until next time, I've been Paul McCartney. And I've been my nan. Goodbye. Goodbye. This is our seventh episode in a row. Um, yeah, starting to flag a little bit, Will. I don't know about you. Uh, well, I'm okay, Dan, because it's not like we've recorded them all back to back or anything, is it? Oh, wait a minute. the illusion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do think there is something in us doing some sort of marathon. And I don't mean running. I mean, I would no, do it, you... but you, would, you, you probably wouldn't. Oh, okay. Would I'll you? do a marathon where I eat 26 marathons or Snickers in a row. Uh, and I bet they would just slide down like the log flume at Alton Towers. <laughs> Not going to take that image any further then. I think you've already said enough. <laughs> you having a takeaway tonight? We're having vaginas. Fajitas. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, track eight now. And actually, this is what I could hear from the bathroom. What, Paul McCartney? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs>